You're listening to God and Comics, the show where all that Greek we learned in seminary finally pays off when we tell our friends that Thanos means death. On today's show, we talk about Avengers Endgame, and it may be a long show, so we recommend you pee before we start. I'm your host, Father Jonathan Michikin. I am chaplain at St. John the 23rd College Preparatory in Katy, Texas. On the line with me today is Father Matt Stromberg. Father Matt, where are you? I'm the rector of St. George's Episcopal Church in Schenectady, New York. And also on the line is Father Kyle Tomlin. Father Kyle, where are you? I'm at Church of the Messiah Episcopal Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. So, uh, we'll start with our recommendation, and uh, take it away, Father Kyle. My recommendation today is actually a um, new miniseries that Marvel has recently begun publishing that's called Spider-Man Life Story. Um, It's written by Chip Zdarsky, and uh, is illustrated by Mark Bagley, who's one of my favorite artists ever. And um, the premise of the whole miniseries is to take Spider-Man decade by decade from 1960 until our current decade and, um, and set it in real time, um, making him age each decade, uh, as would be appropriate, and at the same time pulling some of the themes out of each of the decade of the Spider-Man comics um, to kind of create a, a self-contained one-issue story of that particular decade. Um, uh, the idea of it, um, I think is really cool. I think if you're a Spider-Man fan, you'll benefit from reading this comic, perhaps maybe more than if you're a non-Spider-Man fan, although, um, you could certainly read it and enjoy it nonetheless. Um, the first three issues are out. The third issue came out today dealing with the 1980s. Um, but thus far I've only read the sixties and the seventies issue and, um, they've pulled out some of the really um, important storylines in the 1960s of dealing with Flash Thompson in the Vietnam War and uh, have created this sort of side story about how the Avengers get involved in the Vietnam War, some pro, some con, and uh, how that goes on to impact the bigger Marvel universe. Um, And then in the second issue of the 70s, of course, they deal with Gwen Stacy and with the clone issue uh, and... um, and Harry Osborn becoming the Green Goblin, some of the things that are very familiar in the Spider-Man universe, but um, definitely well-written, extremely well-written. I really, I'm becoming more and more of a fan of Chip Zdarsky's writing, and I'm interested in reading some of his stuff on Daredevil now even. Um, But uh, definitely a a great storyline. I highly recommend it. I don't want to give away too many details, so I'm not going to say a whole lot more beyond this. Um, but definitely go to the store and check it out. Well worth it. Yeah, Zdarsky's had quite the evolution there, hasn't he? Because he, you know, just a couple of years ago, he hadn't written anything. He was he was known as an artist. Yeah. Um, and uh, which I mean, which is a great thing in and of itself. Uh, but he's really kind of like amassed a, a whole catalog now of, of books that he's written on that that have been pretty good. Usually, usually the the funny stuff I think works a little better than when he tries to be dramatic, but. Yeah, and you know what? Um, he did a great run on Spectacular Spider-Man recently, and uh, mm-hmm. that finished up. But um, that had a little bit more of a jokier edge, a funnier edge than mm-hmm. this particular thing. has a little bit more drama to it, um, and it's well-balanced. 
Um, I think he's doing a great job. I can sort of see him developing as a writer mm-hmm. on this series. Yeah. I really enjoyed his uh, Howard the Duck, but that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the recommendation way back. Oh, yeah, I remember. Like, it was. On like issue two or, or episode two or something like did that. Did I recommend it? Yeah, you oh, did. Okay. You did, yeah. We're getting to the point where I'm going to start recommending things again that I that I did <laughs> I'm just going to forget. So I figure I'm going, I'm going to do that too. <laughs> hey guys, have you heard about Rat Queens? Anyway. Um, okay, so we're going to move into our main conversation about Avengers Endgame. And we're going to start this with a giant spoiler alert. Because here's the thing, folks. Not only is there no way to talk about Avengers Endgame, really, without spoiling it, um, there's no way to talk about Avengers Endgame without spoiling Infinity War while you're spoiling Endgame. There's almost no way to talk about Endgame without spoiling half a dozen other Marvel movies without, <laughs> without doing so. So, you know, if you haven't seen the movie yet, that's cool, man. You do you. Pause the podcast. Go out, add your money to the several billion dollars that it has brought in at this point, check it out, come on back, and then listen to the show, okay? But we're going to spoil this thing up one way and down the other, so you have been warned. All right, so um, let's let's do a, a round of initial impressions before we get into some of the other stuff. I'd really like to talk about some character arcs. Um, uh, those that worked well and those that maybe didn't work as well. Um, but I would say my initial impression, um, you know, overall, there's some stuff that I that I'm in reflection afterwards. I'm more critical of, but I loved it. Um, n- nonetheless, I loved it. Right. So I think it was a great movie. I think for um, anyone who has been invested in these characters, and especially you know, because this is what movie 22 right so like if you've been invested in these characters over the last 11 years this really pays off in some amazing ways uh they i certainly cried at certain points (laughs) during the film not gonna lie um i don't know about i have one student who uh on sunday he was about to go see it for the fourth time and he said that he hoped this would be the time he wouldn't cry (laughs) (laughs) but he thought he was going to which i think for you know uh teenagers you think about the 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 length of time that this story is being told for right so he's Uh 18 right so that means he was seven when this story started being told wow (laughs) wow that that puts it in perspective it's like you know it seems like yesterday to me but like of course there are kids that like grew up with right exactly exactly so father matt what's your initial impression of of endgame well i just thought it was utterly thrilling um i mean you know for for a movie the the length that it is Mm -hmm. it just you know i was i was ready to like go back and watch infinity war afterwards i you know i went back and and i started like looking on netflix and stuff for all the other marvel movies because i'm like i'm gonna watch them all over again i thought it was a lot of fun and you know what it did not unfold the way that i thought that's perhaps the best thing about it i went into it expecting i'm like okay like how are they gonna do this is this like a three-hour movie it's just gonna be like 
what, like a three-hour showdown with Thanos, right. you know? But, like, it, it, you know, it was, like, in the first 20 minutes of the movie, and it's like, oh, okay, I guess they beat Thanos. Now what? <laughs> and it's like, I, I, I had no idea where this thing was going to go. You know, I, I just thought that it was extremely well done. It really impressed me. It felt like a fitting conclusion or summation of what had come before. And it made me want to revisit those earlier films again. I mean, Robert Downey Jr., I mean, throughout these movies, I mean, he just, he's on the screen, you can't look away. I mean, he's just, he plays such a compelling Tony Stark. He's so entertaining to watch in, in everything that he's in. What's your initial impression, Father Kyle? I absolutely loved it. I thought it was a fantastic film. I um, I mean, for much of the same reasons that you all have said, I thought that it was it was such a, a, a solid movie. I think that the great thing about the film, honestly, is the way that it managed to pull together so many little pieces of all of the movies for the past 11 years, so, you know, the most random of elements popped up in it and things you things you had to think about a little bit because it's for many of these movies it's been a long time since i've seen them and right. um i mean there was that one little scene at the very end with the funeral where that boy was standing there and i i'm like i know i should know him he's got to be somebody that's uh you know part of this but i couldn't place him and thankfully my secretary and her husband um, Googled it and she came in and asked me about it and I'm like, no, I didn't figure it out and uh, and point it pointed back to Iron Man number one. He's the little boy in the garage. Um, just little stuff like that. That's the so little boy in the garage. Oh, in Iron Man two. In Iron, you might yeah, Iron Man two. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah. So it's you know just pulling stuff like that out. I think that it made the movie so cool. All the little details. Oh yeah. Into it, so. I I said to um somebody I maybe it was Gina I can't remember but I said boy I'm glad I saw Ant Man and Wasp before I saw this movie because otherwise I would have yeah. been sitting there at the end going why on earth is Michelle Pfeiffer randomly at the funeral of Tony Stark. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny, like even my daughter picked up on because um, she went with me, even my daughter picked up on uh, the fact that when Spider-Man was fighting um, Thanos's horde at the end, uh, he used the insta kill. And that was in Spider-Man because we watched Spider-Man now like 20 times in Spider-Man. The suit asked him if he wanted to use insta kill. And he's like, insta kill. What? No. Um, oh, you yeah. know, he was so against that. But, like, that's yeah, a little right. detail, right? Uh -huh. That he said, suit insta-kill, and they instantly start killing with the spikes. So it's yeah. just that I thought it was great. I loved it. I mean, you you know, I'm sure we'll talk about some other stuff. But yeah. that's my impression. Yeah. There's some stuff I definitely want to get to in terms of um, Thanos and and who the real um, – who the real villain in this piece is because i have some thoughts on that but before we do that I, I would love to to get some thoughts on character arcs because one of the things that we see happening in this film is they really get the fact that the reason why we keep coming back to these films is because we're invested in these characters mm -hmm. right so and the, of course they didn't skip on the the fighty fighty right like you know you get all of the the big battle scene all that kind of stuff is in it um 
but they invest a, a great deal of time in uh, not just showing you these characters, but also you know landing the plane basically, bringing home okay where are these characters going to end up? How are they going to end up after this kind of long uh, journey that they have that they have been on? Um, and I feel like some of the arcs landed really well. Uh, some of them landed okay, and there were a couple that I that at least for me felt like oh that was that was not so good. So I'm wondering if you guys feel the same way. Um, before I kind of get into my list, like, do you have any character arcs? First of all, do you have any character arcs you feel like landed really well? Yeah, I mean, I think that the I think that the whole Tony Stark Steve Rogers uh, bit, which um, you know, obviously that's been running the whole length of these films to some extent. But certainly we had the tension from Civil War um, that's lingered. I think that the resolution that's been drawn on that, I think that was a great arc that, that worked very well. That I do think I do agree with you. There were many arcs in addition to that uh, uh, Steve Rogers, Tony Stark one. I think that there were many that worked. And I do think there were a couple that perhaps struggled a little bit. But it, with a universe the size that it's grown right now, I think there's some things that are hard to resolve uh, to kind of bring to completion in a really strong way. So, okay. uh, so I would say, uh, following what Father Kyle said, um, I agree with that the 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 working out of the stuff between Steve Rogers and Tony Stark I thought worked very well. Um, there's some a couple of really nice moments with that. I thought the moments in the alleyway um, where um, where they uh, call an audible on um going back to the 70s basically um but but that moment where where um where basically stark asks rogers if he trusts him and he says yes that i thought was that was like a sort of powerful moment with that i think obviously like S stark as a whole uh has a great arc and we may we i'll hold off on talking about that for now because we might just talk a little bit in general about him and the sacrifice that he ends up making um i thought some of the little characters had really great arcs i think ant-man had a really great arc um his sort of um discovery that his daughter was still alive like that whole like lead up to that moment is really kind of breathtaking um and uh and his kind of discovering his own sort of role and uh, who he's going to be in the team. Like, I feel like he, he kind of matured as a character. I actually feel like one of the best arcs, believe it or not, was Nebula. If you look at her from, like, where she begins as this just kind of almost throwaway bad, you know, extra baddie um, from Guardians, and then kind of, like, developing into this other sort of character... And then now in Endgame, really, this is the movie I feel like where she becomes a hero, you know? Yeah. And, and she's still uh, got foibles and, and problems and all of that kind of stuff. But throughout this film, she acts in a heroic way. Um, and I, I thought that was uh, just, you know, even though it was like a small character 
overall, like I thought that 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 she was one of the better ones. Well, what about Thor's arc? What what are your thoughts about Thor? I mean, um, you know, of course, we come in, we see Thor. He they built like a new Asgard, but he's sort of like um, an irresponsible drunk. You know, he's gained all kinds of weight, and he's just an emotional mess. From the beginning of the movie, we see him you know, absolutely just destroyed by what by, by what's occurred. But for a god, he's awfully <laughs> he's awfully human. To see some of the characters from uh, Thor Ragnarok kind of like you know sitting around playing video games, like the rock yeah. guy, you're like, hey, mate. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> you know? See, I, I didn't see Dark World. I'm going to confess that. I've never seen I Dark World. I haven't either. That's, that's so all three of us have not I, seen that movie. There was that's like so a whole funny. thing with like his mother and stuff yeah. that I ha- I was like, I guess it's yeah. from Dark World or yeah. something. But so yeah. I, I didn't really understand that. The three um, of us should like watch that movie now and like I do know, a show I, and like, I, what is it like I, to watch I, this now? It's like the one, almost, the only two movies I haven't seen in the MCU are that and the, the Hulk. Oh, oh okay. the Hulk is pretty cool. Yeah, the Hulk um, is. I, I, I mean, I at least remember liking it, but, but Dark World usually makes the list of like on, on any list of ranking of the worst Marvel <laughs> movies that's usually like, no, the worst one is usually wow. Dark World, which is which you know I I feel like Thor Ragnarok is near the top. What did you guys think about Professor Hulk? <laughs> <laughs> Here we we see the Hulk's character like evolve from like the mindless monster to the more more discursive character in Thor Ragnarok, right? I mean he talks more. He you know he you're able to have it. He's not just Hulk smash but then he's he's basically like banner and and this he's he's a hulked out banner um why the hulk needs glasses i'm not entirely sure of <laughs> like why like he's like you know he's he's super strong but he has like astigmatism or something <laughs> to show that he's intelligent because don't you yeah, know right, intelligent yeah. people well yeah glasses. of course all three of us are wearing me. glasses so right. you know yeah well that, there you go and it reminds me of the meme that was always going around like the credible hulk you know i always properly cite my sources yeah. <laughs> do you ever see that that meme on on facebook oh oh yes as we'll where it's the hulk later. with the big professor glasses you know but um yeah i mean i thought that that arc was okay yeah it was you know i mean it was it some of it was funny um i you know i don't have a problem with the idea of like the intelligent version of the hulk because obviously that's a you know that's a thing that's happened with the character before so it's not you know that's not totally foreign um i think the thing that i was a little disappointed in with 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 hulk um and banner is that they they introduced this whole thing in infinity war of him not the hulk not wanting to come out and what's going on with that and then they seem to have just completely dropped that going into this movie. yeah they didn't deal with that, it at all that, that, I, I did find that odd and i think even the explanation as to why he became professor hulk just seemed a little convoluted to me didn't seem as clear he just all of a sudden the two merged right and it was comic it was you know why yeah. how did this happen comic books and then yeah. and then you just move on <laughs> yeah i do wish they had made him gray 
in that yes. right the gray hawk was always uh-huh. the hawk that was with the bowler hat more, right right with the bowler hat who's more integrated um mm. that would have been a nice little touch but mm. yeah mm. so i'll tell you the two that really did not work for me um first the first way they used captain marvel did not work for me at all i i love captain marvel as a character they didn't have to make a big deal out of her in this movie like i get she's like the new character that they're kind of inserting into the thing and they've got a lot more that they need to do with the older characters that's fine the problem i have with it is that they spent a whole lot of time building up the idea that she was going to be crucial to this thing, mm-hmm. right? You know, all of the, like, the, the um, screen cap, the thing at the end of Infinity War, all through Captain Marvel. Like, basically, the whole thing was like, you know, she's going to be, in some sense, at least part of the answer to this mm-hmm. puzzle. And that whole thing turned out to be a red herring, right? So she's not part of the answer to the puzzle. Um, And her character doesn't develop at all. I mean, she's basically just a weapon in this thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And and her power set is is, uh, incredibly inconsistent. So, like, in one moment, she is able to take out an entire spaceship the size of a planet with one movement. And then in the next instant, a purple guy with no powers is able to throw her across the plane and you know halfway knock her out that's a good Um, point so um so i felt like captain marvel didn't work at all in this movie um but the one that i was truly saddened slash irritated by was uh black widow um i felt like they really um had a great opportunity with that character and in the beginning of the movie they did some interesting introspective stuff with her i think her friendship with rogers is really interesting um how they've developed that over the 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 course of the films um but then you know we get part way through and she gives herself right she sacrifices herself basically so that they can get the soul stone and on one level you go okay well sacrifice it's heroic it's you know doing the thing that heroes are supposed to do all that kind of stuff but the way they framed the whole thing just fell totally flat to me and the reason is because it was that she was like the one character they did that this to it was almost performative more than it was anything else. And the whole point of it seemed to be to use her as a prop, like her sacrifice is then a prop to prop up other characters and make them feel something, right? Um, which is... Specifically um, Hawkeye, right? Specifically Hawkeye, who, quite frankly, is the weak link in this whole series i mean i and it's not because hawkeye is a bad character right i love hawkeye in the comics but i think they've never quite known what to do with him in the films and so they've they've given him six different personalities none of which have quite worked out um they gave him a family to try and make him more interesting and what did that do it made the family interesting but it didn't actually make him any more interesting i mean i thought the the opening with him was very powerful 
yeah. where he's oh, looking sure, around yeah. and his family disappears. That was like the first time I cried was watching just watching that part. I mean, that was very powerful. And I get why he would then, you know, just lose his mind and go off and do all these terrible things. Come but um, but it was like, you know, she has to die so that this like uninteresting schmuck can be like given another <laughs> opportunity. You know, like, come on. And, you know, she is so much more interesting than that. Even just kind of because I've gone back through, you know, I rewatched Infinity War right before this. I went back and watched the first Avengers movie again. I think about her in the Captain America movies. There's so much potential for her as a character. For a while, they talked about having a movie with her. They're still theoretically talking about that, but as a prequel... As a prequel, are you joking? As a prequel, Come yeah. on, who cares? Well, there are no stakes. She's dead. I don't well, care. Well, there might be another that. angle on that than than a prequel, but well, that's and that's I'll say more that's fine. But like you know, and it's it was also it was also completely inconsistent <laughs> with the Soul Stone thing, right? Like in Infinity War, the whole thing with the Soul Stone was you had to you had to lose somebody by killing them, basically, right? Because she. Gamora tries to kill herself and Thanos stops her because that wouldn't have done it. He has to be the one to do it so that he loses something he loves. And yet somehow in Endgame, it completely reverses itself and they're battling to do it and she ends up killing herself and that that's good enough. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that before. So I was just I was I was very irritated about about the Black Widow um, experience. Um, and I also just, you know, I mean, just thinking about it from the perspective, too, of, like, this always seems to be what happens with female characters, that they, like, they're interesting, but they're used more as props to do things with male characters than they are allowed to, like, have their own stuff. And that's <laughs> that's, that's kind of what it felt like to me. It was like she's there, you know, uh, basically to... Uh, to make Hawkeye look better and to uh, create some drama when they come back and talk about her death. And it also led to essentially one of the big things that gets left unresolved uh, is, you know, that whole tension, um, uh, basically sexual tension between her and Banner that like is just never, yeah, it's just gone. <laughs> That, that yeah. was something that's gotten dropped over time, right, in the movies, yeah. Yeah, they kind of, they, they definitely dropped that. They dropped, you point, you make a good point, they dropped a lot about what they were doing with the Hulk mm-hmm. and just chose to do something else, chose to make him like a, you know, kind of the com- comedy relief or something like that. But. but when he gives the taco to Ant-Man, it's hilarious. So <laughs> I will give it, I will give that a thumbs up. Did you all feel like there were any other character arcs that really didn't work? No, I mean, um, okay, yeah. I mean, I've said my piece. Like, I think the rest of them really kind of worked, and obviously, a lot of those characters were just kind of coming in at the end, um, which was fine because it gave us a lot more time with our original set. So, um, I'm curious to know, you know, in the restoration of things. Uh, um, why Vision is not able to come back. I know he died by having the stone removed from him, but uh, did they not? Well, no, I guess at the end, the gauntlet destroys itself, right? So the stones are theoretically no more, which means that he can be no more. 
but that that whole um, storyline with Wanda and him just kind of comes. Oh to man, him. when she starts beating the snot out of him, that was yeah. like such a cathartic, you know, yeah. moment because like when she's like, "You've taken everything from me," and it's like you yeah. really feel that with her, like. You know, there's a character. Wanda seems to get a lot of love from the fans, but um, I feel like she she could have had a, a more prominent place in the films. It's like she was sort of like popped in and out. Um, I look forward to the. I, I hear there's a series coming out of of uh, with the Vision and and Scarlet Witch. So, I, I, you know, I, I think Scarlet Witch and Vision together are just, you know, such great additions to the comic book. You know, I'd love to see more of that. Well, and if they bring, um, if they I, bring I, the I X-Men in. Yeah. more as, as, as Scarlet Witch because I, I think she was excellent. Yeah, and, if they bring and, the X-Men into the MCU like they're talking about, I mean, she would be yeah. an easy kind of oh, yeah. plug yeah. into that. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Um, so let's talk a little bit about... Um, the sacrifice of Tony Stark and uh, what you all think about that as the sort of, um, you know, great kind of uh, uh, moment at the end. Um, And maybe we can compare that a little bit with what I am referring to as the sacrifice of Thanos, um, which is, you know, his willingness to do anything for his cause versus what turns out to be Stark's willingness to do anything he has to do for his cause. Well, I think you have a contrast there, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I think the sacrifice of Thanos is, uh, is a selfish sacrifice because he's inevitable, as he says, right? <laughs> um, he's everything in his own mind. He's God. And um, so any his sacrifice is a sacrifice to get his own way and to make the universe into what he wants the universe to ultimately be. Whereas um, Tony Stark's sacrifice is um, is really ultimately a selfless kind of sacrifice. I mean, he had a lot to live for. Um, certainly, having gotten married and had a child, and you know, getting out of the superhero game at least for a little bit, he had a lot that he could selfishly have just stayed connected to and stayed apart from the whole superhero thing but um ultimately he gives his life for everybody there's a very christ-like um well sure sure i mean great greater love hath no one than this that he laid down his life for his friends you know and that's tony stark's sacrifice he's he's laying down his life for his friends his comrades but also for his family i mean you know because they're at stake what what is Thanos's sacrifice? Well, it's 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 almost like a self oblation or like an offering to like an ideology, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's, I mean, Thanos is is willing to sacrifice half the world for for this pitiless principle that he has in mind. He's even and he's willing to even sacrifice himself. Um, so I mean, I, you know, I, I think that. They raise an interesting point. I mean, not all sacrifice is noble. I mean, you know, certainly we wouldn't say this in real life. I mean, like a suicide bomber who walks into a crowded mall and blows himself up. Is it a sacrifice? Well, it sure is. Is it noble? Is it good? No. I mean, I think there are are clear differences between that kind of sacrifice and, and, and one like Tony Stark's that has 
that's motivated out of love for his, his friends, his, his family, for the world, for the good. I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe it's the motivation behind the sacrifice that makes it. It is, and, you know, Tony Stark's not that way. I mean, it's interesting to watch the pattern over the 11 years' worth of movies, how he moves, and particularly, I think, in this last film, how he moves from this place. He's a very selfish character. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, certainly, the world revolves around Tony Stark, Um, and I think Civil War proves that too, right? The the clash that goes on in there is because he wants his own way and thinks he's right on stuff and that Steve Rogers is wrong. Um, But what you see over time is that love, the the love of his father in this movie, um, you know, the love of Steve Rogers, even the love of Peter Parker. Um, There's there's one point where I definitely cried was when he shows up again. He's like, Mr. Stark. Oh. Yeah, I mean, oh, you know, that love moves Tony Stark to to sacrifice himself, to be selfless in this particular instance. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. Know, I, oh, I, I mean, there's I, I, Yeah, I mean, and what about I mean, when he came off the plane and he can't hardly stand, and he just the only thing he could say is, "I lost the kid." Yeah, I lost the kid. Yeah. You know, that that would that would, I mean, oh, mm-hmm. oh, I mean, like I said, every time. Robert Downey Jr.'s on, on the screen. I mean, it just lights it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it was totally, I mean, uh, Father Matt, you already talked about this, how they did it in a, a way that you didn't expect. And um, partway through the battle, actually probably the begin by the beginning of the battle, I had it in my head that, okay, one of them's going to have to grab the gauntlet. Mm-hmm. So I kind of knew that's where they were going to go at that point. But I was absolutely sure it was going to be capped. Like, I had no doubt in my mind. It's going to be Cap. He's going to grab the gauntlet. He's going to do the thing. So when it was Stark, that really did surprise me. Yeah. Um, but I think, in in a way, it's it's more fitting. It is. It is. I mean, the, so this, this uh, universe, this three waves that we've gone through so far, began with Tony Stark, ultimately. Iron Man's mm-hmm. a chronological movie, right? It's fitting that it ends with him. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and it's part of his arc, you know. I mean, he starts off as like this kind of like, you know, rich playboy, you know, uh, indifferent of, of, of the ways in which you know his the things that he is inventing is is destroying the world. I mean, you see his him grow as a person mm-hmm. throughout these films. I mean, and, and and I mean, he just came, you know, we we've seen him, you know, become a truly you know, actualized individual and that's, you know, not only um, as, as a father, but then ultimately as, as a hero as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, somebody had, was pointing out, uh, maybe it was Chuck Wendell, I can't remember, but somebody was pointing out in their review that there's almost this like opposite thing that happens where uh, Stark is the more selfish character, but he gets the selfless ending. Um mm-hmm. Cap is always the selfless character, but he gets the more selfish ending in a, in a sense um, because he ends up going back. And not that not that what he does is selfish in this like horrible way, but um, you know there's, there's something certainly satisfying about that too, especially if you're a Peggy Carter fan. Um, well, so but, I have some questions. Yeah, I have some questions about this. Okay. Okay. <laughs> 
just how old is Steve Rogers when he's sitting on that park bench? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, come on. <laughs> he goes all the way back to the 40s, and he's like, what? He's like 40 in the movie. So he was so he's like, like well, what, like 115 no, no. or something? No, 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 no. In the, no. In the 40s, he's in his 20s. Right, yeah, because right? she, no, she but, died but, during, but, like, no, she dies listen, in Civil War in, the, in her 90s. You're, you're, not, you're not hearing me. But he goes back. Oh, I see what you're saying. From our time. Right, he's, exactly. He goes back into the 40s, and he's going to age continually. Yeah. Okay. He, he's, okay. he would be well over 100, right? Yeah, but he's maybe that's uh, super seer, uh, soldier serum. Super just... serum, uh, yeah. I guess. <laughs> it's comic books. <laughs> uh, yeah, just super, but like you know, I, I, it just it bugged me. It yeah. bugged me. I, I mean, there, he would be tremendously old. It's a fair point. Yeah. That's... Yeah. I mean, they didn't, I mean, they didn't even feel the need to. But like, I mean. But it was it, a cool... I, the, it doesn't ruin it for me or anything. I mean, it was still very cool that like you look over and there's like a little old man. It's like, oh, it's Captain right. America. Yeah. It was a cool Easter egg, both because you know we've seen the little ninety-year-old uh, Steve Rogers in in comics before, so that was cool. And then that the two who were standing there talking to him about what what was going to happen next were Bucky and um, yeah. and the Falcon. You know, both, yeah, of, we, we, both of whom we know have been that, cap, you know, so. I mean, of course, if, if you read the recent comic books where the Falcon takes on the mantle of Captain America. Right, but, and then, but, you know, I like that Bucky was there, too, because, of course, he took on the mantle of Captain America in comics as well for a time. Right, um, right. So it was this kind of nice sort of, like. Um, who will it be? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you sort of knew who it was going to be, but, like, nice that they included him in that in that moment you know? so i i guess that's the series too that's going to be another series to look forward to the uh sam wilson captain america and and, well, and the winter soldier they're talking Potentially. they're talking about avengers versus x-men yeah oh man that would be epic right yeah. <laughs> yes. so i'm excited about that but l let me ask about this so you know we talk about the sacrifice of stark which i think is really amazing and kind of speaks to the heart of this movie um but one thing that happens in this is there's a big shift in thanos's motivations between uh the the thanos that we've come to know through infinity war and the first 15 or 20 minutes of endgame versus 2014 thanos who we're battling with at the end big shift in motivations and um you know because because the, the the thanos who they kill even at the beginning of the film is still kind of um i mean we've said that he's not a noble character because he's because what he's sacrificing for is not noble but there's a sense in which he's noble in that he's like he's 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 still kind of following through with an ideal right like when they find him he's destroyed the infinity gauntlet why because he doesn't believe anyone should have the you know what i mean like there is this like well that that was that itself was kind of a noble sacrifice was a kind of a noble sacrifice give up right. absolute power especially sure. especially knowing as i'm sure he did that he would probably be found and killed you know they sort of make that seem like he knew that that was what was going to happen probably 
but it's also a sacrifice that seals the death of fifty percent of the universe. Well, sure. No, I, I'm know, not. I, I'm not like, arguing that his that his that his morality is well formed. I'm just saying that he is a different kind. Like what I what I find compelling about Thanos and what I find found compelling about Infinity War is that Thanos is an interesting uh, an interesting bad guy. Because it's hard to make bad guys at that level interesting. Because when it gets to the point where it's like, we're just going to yes. take over yes, the absolutely. world and destroy it, usually at that point, like, I don't care. Because now you're basically just like, you're just a cartoon. Um, and to take that to the next level, okay, I'm going to destroy half of the universe. Um, you know, again. And, and Thanos, like, comic book Thanos is not interesting at all in that respect like comic book thanos his main motivation is because he's trying to like put the moves on death yeah right, right? Yeah, like yeah. he's uh, yeah. he is not like there is no like oh i'm trying to save the world you know save the universe from itself and the blah 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 blah, blah. no none of that right um and so i found that to be compelling because it was an understandable motivation Mm -hmm. And because of that, it made him that much more horrific because he's a true yeah, believer yeah. in his <laughs> cause. Um, and so I found it a little bit disappointing then when we get 2014 Thanos and his reaction to the whole thing is, well, I'm pissed off that it turns out that you guys didn't love me when I did the thing. And so, you know, now I'm going to go back and I'm going to like remake the whole universe in my image and it becomes much more it's it it just seemed like he became much more cartoonish in that moment um, well i mean it, it, is that is that quite what he said i mean he said he thought that um that eliminating half the universe would restore balance but he didn't count on the weakness of 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 the population left behind that would continue to hold the world back from achieving its potential yeah. because because yeah. The, the people left behind can't move on they can't accept it right. you know right. and so that's the weakness in his plan i think that it, that they saw i mean right. yeah i mean he does sort of suggest that maybe they should be you know they they should come around to his way of thinking and 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 be grateful but i, I don't think it's it's about like I, you know, I didn't get enough glory for that. What you're saying is, is pretty good. Like, I, I think you're right. It's it's a little more complex than I'm making it out to be. But still, like, there is a kind of, like, I feel like 2014 Thanos is, is still a more surface bad guy and a little less complicated than the other version of Thanos. But I'm okay with that. This is this is what I've sort of come to. I'm okay with that because I don't think that Thanos is actually the bad guy in this film. I think, or at least I don't think 2014 okay. Thanos is the bad guy in this film. I think 2014 Thanos is a device for being able to have the battle and do the thing. I think the real bad guy in this film is um, is guilt and doubt and. Um, and grief and the pain of like i think all of those things are the actual bad guys that have to be like slain in order for these folks to become heroes again which then they get the opportunity to exercise that heroicness 
uh, in that epic battle at the end. But, you know, the thing the thing that's really, like, at stake and the thing that they're really battling is much more of an internal demon. And so, like, I actually think in some ways that's more compelling even than it would be if, if even if Thanos was, like, you know, the, the most interesting villain who'd ever been created. No, I think that's yeah. fair. I think those are really... I, I do agree with you. I think those are really the enemies. I mean, if you look at the whole trajectory of these 22 films, that's really where it's been going, um, little by little. I think Civil War was a real turning point in that matter, right? That sort of starts out triumphalistic almost, the early films. You know, they're they're learning their way as heroes, and they're succeeding, and things are pretty good. But um, starting with the rejection that happens in the first Avengers movie and certainly the second one mm-hmm. where there's such utter destruction you see them start to call into question their role as heroes and then obviously with the massive failure that occurs in Infinity War the inability to, to actually save half the human population um, you end up with all that guilt and the doubt um, about what they're doing and so forth and I think you're right that becomes the enemy that they're obviously battling and Thanos is really just a foil um, you know, to, to work all that out. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you, you make an interesting point. And in some ways, I guess, I, I, in some ways, Thanos kind of correctly identifies that, right? He's, he's like, you know, listen, I, I remade the world. Why, why, why aren't you happy? You're so weighed down with grief and doubt, you know? But, <laughs> but, but for him, it's doubt about, like, you know, he has no doubts that he did what needs to be done. Right. I mean, he, he's the dogged fundamentalist in this, right? Um, now, interestingly enough, the, the all the characters are going to find some sort of redemption or restoration by uniting, you know, against Thanos. But the, 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 the movie kind of, it kind of tempts us to, to consider... What if Thanos was right? Sometimes, you know. What about the the talk where 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 um Cap and Black Widow are talking, and and and, and he, Steve Steve Rogers, Captain America, is like, yeah, I saw uh, um a, a pod of whales in the Hudson. There there's there's been some you know pretty considerable good brought by all this death, you know. And, and, and she says, you know. What, think on the bright side. Are you serious? You know, we're we're tempted sometimes to think, what if Thanos is really the the one who sees what needs to be done? But that's <laughs> you know? a, you're, you're underlining my point. Like that's exactly yes. why I think that the bad guy in this is much more the like internal. You know, like this is this is I think this is really a, a more even more so than any of the other films in the series. This is a movie about the internal battle with sin and with uh, the brokenness of the world. And so there is this, like, there is that temptation, right? The temptation of, um, you know, maybe maybe the answer really is death. Yes, yes, you know? and not more life, maybe right? Maybe that's, you know, and then, like, Steve Rogers talking about how he's, like, you know, the facade that he's putting on to the world when he's, like, leading these grief recovery groups and telling everybody else that they should have a wonderful day and move on with their lives. 
but he's unable to move on with his life because he can't accept what's happened. Thor can't move on with his life because he can't accept uh, that he didn't win. You know, that he didn't, de not just that he didn't win for himself, but that he didn't, um, you know, uh, defeat, uh, when he was called upon to be the hero, he failed to be heroic enough, you know? Mm -hmm. um, there are all of these kinds of, like, internal struggles that are, um, that are just, like, all over the place in it. Even Stark, you know, like, Stark, Stark's problem is that he accepts too readily that this world this is as good as it gets mm -hmm. and so we might as well just accept you know the, the the lucky bits like he's been lucky and at the beginning of the film and he's willing to sort of live with that and not actually like go out of his way um to help anybody else you know if he can kind of protect that small territory so um there's a lot of that i think that that's in this film and it takes them really growing they really have to grow past that stuff um, before that they're before they're able to to actually band together and, and defeat Thanos, um, except for Hawkeye, who just needs Black Widow to die and then he's cool. Well, in <laughs> some and he you never know, deals with any of this stuff. Yeah, you know, we talk about what if the answer is death, you know, accepting death or, or whatever. But here, some of the characters really do. The option for them is death. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, first we have Black Widow, and then we have Tony Stark. Now, I mean, Tony Stark chooses death in order to, you know, embrace life. Right. You know, for for the right. for the planet. I mean, you know, like like Christus is really a death that destroys death. His death obliterates Thanos. I, I mean, there there's something there. I mean, you know, and I I am inevitable. Death is inevitable. You just have to accept it. Uh, you just have to embrace the inevitability of death. Tony Stark kind of embraces this is the only choice to make. Um, you, mean, you mean at the end he does? Yeah. Well, but, yeah. So, but I think I think you know just like part of what you're saying there, like he what he embraces is not death. What he embraces uh -huh. is life. And because because the world is inhabited by this death, like there's a death that results because of it. But through yeah. his death, um, you know, life is able to flourish. That's very different from the first part of the film where they're all just trying to deal with, you know, it in a funny sort yeah, of way. Because sure. they're dealing with, of course, they're dealing with this huge tragedy where, you know, billions of people have died. But um, in a funny way beneath the surface of that what are they really dealing with they're really dealing with the the reality of mortality uh -huh. you could take those folks and stick them in any person's life you know like we all get to that point where you you know you're at the group the grief group because you're trying to figure out <laughs> what to do with the fact that the, the person you care about's not there anymore or whatever like you know we all at some point have to deal with the fact of more of our mortality, the fact of the mortality of people we care about, and that breaks us a little bit, and um, and it can result in a lot of different things. And so we see that at the at the first in the first part of the movie, like you know, for Cap, it results in oh, I'm just gonna like figure out a way to help people in this other like you've got to move on self helpy kind of way. 
Um, for Clint, it's, you know, this sort of like um, uh, rage of, of righteousness, like, well, I'm going to kill all the killers. Uh, for Stark, it's this kind of just acceptance of the fluke of it, you know. Um, for, um, for Thor, it's basically crawling into uh, a bottle and a bag of Cheetos, <laughs> right? Um, even for Black Widow, like, there's a little bit of that, too, like, where she's, like, she's monitoring all the feeds, uh, trying to keep the band together, like, basically, like, trying to, like, um, trying to, trying to hold on to some semblance of what life looked like before this happened. All of those are just, like, they're coping with death strategies. Um, and so, like, you know that's the thing that they end up having to like really battle against i'll just add one other thing on thanos's name so we already we already shouted that out right thanos from from greek from thanatos which means which means death um and just recently we had the feast day of one of my favorite saints saint athanasius my youngest son's middle name is athanasius athanasius comes it's like athanatos so his name means um uh basically um uh, living you know life conquering over death right um which That's, i wow. think yeah i never yes. thought about that which is uh, sort of the negation of right death, exactly right? Yeah. um which is why i think that uh they should never have just like tried to pull some norse god into the thing to battle uh, thanos they should have had saint athanasius as a character in the mcu <laughs> all along beating the snot out of thanos there you go. Better yet, they should have had Jesus. Well, you know, that, I mean... That would be a little too, on the nose, yeah. don't you think? <laughs> That's the hero behind the heroes here. Yes. Um, as we've been saying all along... Karl Barth once famously claimed... Um, uh, Karl Barth, for those of you who don't know... Um, 20th century reformed theologian uh, uh, of a certain school well known for his series the church dogmatics which uh for any uh, seminarian who's ever had to slog through it is very very big and very very long right and he didn't he didn't finish it and it's it's just i mean it's it's very long but he famously said at one point that he could summarize the entirety of the church dogmatics on half a sheet of paper or the, or the back of a napkin. Uh, as far as I know, he never did it. Um, I would have gotten better grades in systematic theology had he, because I would have just looked that up. But um, my question to you all is, can we summarize the uh, epic... Uh, of the MCU up through Endgame on the back of a napkin. So my question is, somebody who's never seen any of this stuff and you're trying to convince them that it matters and you only get a few words to do so, how do you explain the heart of this series in a few words? Good golly. I don't know. I don't know that it can be done. (laughs) I've wanted I've wanted so much to be able to, to watch all the movies over again because it's been, it's it's been spread out over years and mm-hmm. most of these movies I've seen once you know in the theater mm-hmm. um, so all these films are about like how to become a hero almost all of them 
connect that heroism with some kind of sacrifice. I mean, it's, it's very evident in this one. But I feel like we've talked about this again and again with the sacrifice of the hero and how Christ-like it is and mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. like that. Um, certainly being a hero um, means putting others before yourself. The arc of a lot of these characters is, is a movement away from you know, self-absorption to, you know, losing themselves in a higher calling as, as, you know, heroes, as Avengers, you know, or whatever it is. But I don't know, that that's probably way highfalutin for, I don't know if that would convince anybody to see the Marvel movies. I would just say something like, it's, it's, it's your childhood come to life on the big screen, basically, you know, Marvel comics, you know, like you always dreamt it could be. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say. Well, I, don't would, I don't know how I would frame it necessarily. I mean, I think that the the biggest thing that I think encompasses this whole universe is the is the humanity of these heroes. I think that um, that's always been Marvel's strong point, right? Um, in contrast to DC, who has tended to have more godlike heroes although i think that's changed but um i think that that there's a heart and a humanity to the heroes in this that um echoes what we struggle with as human beings um i think we can see reflections of ourselves and um in our brokenness uh very much present in these movies Uh, so i don't know how i would frame that to put it on a napkin but um I think that's one of the biggest threads that runs through all of this for me. That's, that's pretty good. I like that. Like I would say if I had to do it, I would say, um, uh, epic blockbuster, incredible costumes and effects, the hero's journey of self discovery and sacrifice, but with jokes. (laughs) <laughs> there you go right you, you, you've summoned summed it all up there we go um <laughs> okay so there is so much more that we could say about endgame uh it's a great film go see it uh it's it's three hours long and you'll hardly notice the three hours they fly right by um although you know do go to the bathroom before you start that's important yeah and um, our episode tonight just echoed that three hours. That's right. <laughs> um, and uh, go see Infinity War before you see Endgame. Um, and the first Captain America movie. And the first Avengers movie. And, you know, just, just watch them all. And then... <laughs> uh, we would love to know what you guys think of Avengers Endgame. Please come and tell us on social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash god and comics so that's for you all who are old like us and spend your time on facebook um or if you are um a uh a slightly younger person or a journalist uh you can come visit us on twitter uh we're at god and comics on twitter uh or if you're the majority of social media you media users and you're younger uh then you're out of luck because we are not on instagram and we are not on snapchat and we are not on uh, the six six other things that you think we don't know about. And we know about them. Oh, we know about them, young people. Don't don't you worry. Um, anyhow, 
uh, do come and talk to us. We'd love to hear from you. But for now, we're going to move on to our final segment, This or That. This or that, this or that. Come on, everybody, let's this or that. Batman or Iron Man? This or that. Spider-Man or Superman? This or that. Boxes or briefs? This or that. DVD or VHS? This or that. Dungeons or Dragons? This and that. Moses or Elijah? This or that. This or that. This or that. Come on, everybody, let's this or that. Father Matt, I know you've spent a lot of time today preparing (laughs) for this or that. Um, Yes. So, um... I'm just going to go ahead and turn it over to you. Okay. Um, the first one's for you, Jonathan. Okay. Your voice just went up an octave. I'm not quite sure what that's about, but. Set something what? in your foot. <laughs> what are you talking about? This is like Father Matt when he's nervous. He goes up an octave. Um, no, yeah. All right. Um, this one's for you. Thanos or Dark Side? Um, are we talking uh, MCU Thanos or comic book Thanos? Well, I mean, you know, interpret, interpret. Well, because I would say MCU <laughs> Thanos is a far better villain than than Dark Side, uh, MCU Thanos. Um, but if, if we're just going by comic books, I probably would go with dark side because, um, he's just, he's just shown up a lot more and he's, um, I mean, I'm not like, I'm not a huge fan of dark side because he's so like, uh, he's just sort of this unbeatable force in a way. And I don't really quite know what to do with those kinds of bad guys, um, because there's not a lot of give there. Like, what's Darkseid's motivation, really? He wants to rule and kill. <laughs> okay. Right, right. Um, but, uh, but, you know, but, like, I've read a lot of Darkseid stories, and so I've, I've got a lot more time invested in that than I do with, with Thanos. Does Thanos really show up that much? I mean, other than in the, um, you know, Infinity War uh, and in Infinity Gauntlet. Silver, in Silver oh. Surfer. He Does he did, show up a lot uh, there? Okay. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. He seems like they both like both of them in comics are pretty like one dimensional. Well, guys. you know, and Thanos has had his own book recently, which mm-hmm. I haven't. I haven't read. I, um, Jeff Lemire is, uh, oh. wrote a, a series on Thanos, and I'm sure it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, you know, maybe maybe the depiction of the character in the film has has you know brought some more depth to the comic book character. I I, I don't know. Um, so the next one um for you father kyle darkwing duck or underdog ah i'm gonna say darkwing duck only because of his connection uh at least aesthetically to batman Um, (laughs) i gotta go with him they're both great characters darkwing duck (laughs) let's get dangerous yes yes you reminded us all of the theme song that will now be in our head for the rest of the night Mm -hmm. Um, you're welcome okay um father jonathan greek or hebrew greek greek yes 
And you care to elaborate why? Because it's the language of the Gospels? <laughs> it's the language of the Bible, man, the Septuagint. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I've had the, this conversation. The real before. Old Testament, the Septuagint. <laughs> the real Old Testament. Well, okay. you know, I mean, those books were written in, in, in Hebrew, except, like, we don't have we actually yeah. don't have access to the Hebrew that they were written in. Like the Hebrew that we, we turn to now as the old Testament <laughs> is a Hebrew translation back from the set, basically from the Septuagint. So, um, you know, if, if, if I was telling somebody like, you know, if you're only going to take one of the biblical languages, I would say Greek. I would agree with that. Well, yeah, no, I, I, I certainly, I I'd probably say Greek as well. Um, Okay, uh, Father Kyle, the U.S. agent, you remember the U.S. agent? Uh, yeah, yeah. Or the Scarlet Spider? Uh, I gotta go with Scarlet Spider, um, only because I've read more Spider-Man than I've read Captain America, and uh, I actually like Scarlet Spider as a character. I like the, um, I like both incarnations that I'm recalling at the moment, the certainly the Ben Riley Scarlet Spider and then the um, Kane Scarlet Spider. Um, in fact, uh, they've both had recent series in Marvel, and I've enjoyed both of them. The, so the gonna... Peter David and uh, Scarlet Spider series is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They in, in the last one, which is that Peter David one, um, they're both present. And active so it's really a story about both of them yeah i picked up i, I picked up the first issue and then i had no idea what was going on it was like I, I i felt like it was issue one but i felt like it was issue 30 you uh, know? and i'm like but i i, I i'm more I, i'm more interested in the scarlet sweater now but when he first appeared i was so like outraged and disgusted by the whole clone saga that i'm just like oh this is so ridiculous <laughs> And the hoodie is stupid. The the, the torn hoodie, it's stupid. Um, U.S. agent, though, I mean, I, I um, the black costume. Everybody got a black costume in the 80s, you know? <laughs> Everybody got a little darker. The three, um, the three of us have a black costume now. That's right. <laughs> exactly. And we're all wearing black exactly. t-shirts right now. Okay, so this no, one's don't, for you. don't break the mystery. They don't know what we're wearing, Father Kyle. We are Sorry. all dressed in full cassock and mass regalia. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, incense, I'm actually wearing um, a coat. That's true. Like I do every day. It's true, yeah. Here, here you go. Father Jonathan, Captain Marvel or Ms. Marvel? So, um, assuming that we're talking about Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers versus Miss Mar Ms. Marvel, uh, Kamala Khan, and not Carol Danvers versus Carol Danvers, um, which would be interesting in a whole different way. Um, I'm still, I think, I I would still I would still say Captain Marvel uh, would be the more interesting character to me, but it's a very, it's a very close. Uh, it's very close in a way that I wouldn't expect it to be with a character that hasn't been around very long, like you know, Kamala Khan. But they just her whole creation and mythos is 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 very interesting and and so very well done. 
um, that, uh, you know, I really do love it. Um, but, uh, I gotta, I gotta go with, I gotta go with Carol. Mm. Okay. Now, um, Father Kyle, the Jetsons or the Flintstones? Hmm. No, that's a tough one. Um, I'm probably going to say the Flintstones, because I think I've watched more Flintstones than I've watched Jet Jetsons, although I like them about equal. Now, the Flintstones is definitely better. So you, 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 I'm deducting 50 points for that qualification. <laughs> okay. Um, finally, Father Jonathan, Endgame or Infinity War? Uh, I, I would go with Infinity War. Um, I, really? I, yeah, I would go with Infinity War. Like that one, I think, um, is 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 the one I'll probably come back to more often. But having said that, uh, I wouldn't want to live in a world where Infinity War was the end of the story. So um, you know, I I'm glad that Endgame exists, and I did I did enjoy it. Um, but you know, like I just I, f I find Infinity War. First of all, Infinity War is very funny. It's very funny. I'd forgotten until I rewatched it. Like the first, you know, it's like two and a half hour movie. The first two hours is like joke a minute. It's yeah, really gosh. like uh, it's a really jovial movie until it suddenly isn't, which I mm -hmm. think is kind of an interesting twist. Um, and I think, um, I think that. Um, there's something interesting about the film where the bad guy wins that isn't quite the same, you know, even though you don't want it to be like, you know, you don't want that to be where the series ends, but there's something about a movie where you kind of have to accept the defeat that teaches you something different. Um, and, uh, and so I appreciate that. Hmm. So, um, just because we haven't mentioned it yet, um, Father Kyle, Captain America with Mjolnir, or you with the 57 Chevy? <laughs> I'm going to give it to Captain America with the Mjolnir. Uh, that was a very cool moment in the film. Wow, yeah. what a heroic sacrifice. Yes. <laughs> uh, I think that's a fitting place to end. Yeah. With Father Kyle's, you know, character arc there, you know. Let's let's He's end. Wait, let's end it like dive. this. Anybody else? There you go. Uh, Snatchered. That's right. Yeah, that's what Glenn Weldon referred to it as the Snatchered. <laughs> the Snatchered. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our show this time out. Um, we hope that you have enjoyed it. If you want to, to listen to the show again, maybe take a look at a couple of links we might put up with it, uh, go check out the show page at godandcomics.com. You can also subscribe to the show through whatever your favorite uh, podcast service is, including iTunes. Um, and if you do happen to, to take a look at us on iTunes, we would love it if you would give us a rating and a review uh it really does help other people find the show and we're quite grateful for everybody who does that um, so uh, please do uh, our theme music which you are hopefully banging your head to right now is by father paul wheatley 
who has never quite understood what the big deal is. He always found the Hulk to be credible. Until next time, I'm Father Jonathan Michigan. I'm Father Matt Stromberg. And I'm Father Kyle Conlon. And we'll see you.